Welcome into all our dads out there and all our moms. You are listening to episode 126 of the Fade You podcast. Make sure you're giving us a follow on Twitter at Fade You Sports. Uh, give, give us a follow there. Tell your friends. Uh, even if you have friends who are dead, just have everybody follow us. Have everybody subscribe to the pod. We're still putting out some uh, some pods here. And uh, we got some exciting stuff coming up. My name is Matthew James, and on tonight's pod, I've got Kmart, I've got Chris Duke, I've got the Bucket Boy. Uh, we've got a trip coming up, but we wanted to make time to check in with everybody now that brackets are out and people can make their picks. And we're going to talk a little college basketball. So one thing we didn't want to do on this show, Kyle, you can kind of speak to this. We are not going to give out picks and plays. We're just going to talk about how we approach betting the tournament and hopefully some lessons that people can take and then make their own picks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always fun to, you know, DJ play with your heart, but I mean, the more you kind of get into everything, it's true what they say about, you know, the, the smart better is, you know, they play numbers, not teams. So I've essentially created a system that I try to perfect every, every year, try to get it better by adding, you know, another, another algorithm to it. Um, so, I mean, it's already tipping the scales on a couple plays for me, you know, this year, but, you know, I just, I just can't like emphasize enough, you know, don't just think how you feel a game's going to be played. Um, you know, there's going to be angles, there's going to be narratives, but it's truly, you know, whether you like to look at, you know, specific matchups they've had earlier in the year um, relative to, you know, similar opponents that they've played. But, you know, you take San Francisco, for instance, you know, the Dons, I'm sure a lot of the East Coast, you know, people haven't, you know, seen too much of them. You know, they see Murray State, you know, at 30 and two, but then you have, you know, kind of, kind of the trendy darling with, you know, our South Dakota state jackrabbits, you know, and that's getting a lot of love right now. So, you know, I definitely say just be careful, um, you know, with how you approach it, but definitely consistency is key. Um, you know, whether you're like me and occasionally want to be a Homer, uh, that's fine. Just don't go crazy, have fun with it and really try to get the best number. Uh, you'll see a lot of the plays I post. I do, I do a lot of money lines for, you know, even plus money because as I've got older and I think a little better at this, I really hate laying juice. So sometimes I'll take the L like I did on Long Beach State the other night, but in the long run, uh, you know, I actually don't lose as much by doing that way. He's on Twitter at Kmart's underscore angles. Neil, do you want to talk for a second about how betting the tournament is very different than filling out a bracket? Oh, it's night and day, right? I mean, you, you know, if you're just filling out a bracket and you're just, you know, picking sides, it's easy to run down the line and take, you know, number one seeds all the way down or, you know, maybe even less so just taking, you know, the five team against the 12. As we know, that's like, you know, only a 66% winner. Um, you know, when you get lines that are, you know, Duke 18 and a half against Cal State Fullerton, um, who beat Kyle's uh, Long Beach State, mm. Uh, team 
uh, you know, my alma mater there, no big deal. Um, you know, but you're talking about, you know, 18 to 20, I think there's a 23 point spread in some of these. Right. So, um, it's completely different in every possible way. And it's hard enough to pick a bracket. Right. I mean, we'll be lucky if we get through the first round and there's a per- and there'll be a perfect, maybe handful of perfect brackets, you know, in the world, you know, and so you can only imagine if you're, you know, throwing in spreads on that one, it's just an added wrinkle. Yeah, with the brackets, I mean, everybody's got their own group that you're going to Venmo someone 20 bucks and you're in a bracket contest with 60 people. And there's not really a way that you can do better than I mean, fuck, people win those just picking mascots they think are cute animals and shit. So uh, good luck with your brackets, but we're going to try to win some money betting games. Chris, can you think back to when you first started betting on March Madness? And uh, just some of the mistakes people make betting this stuff. And uh, this is a time of year where the books do well. And there are reasons for that. So can you think back way back to, uh, I don't know if it was pre or post mugshot when you started betting on college <laughs> basketball, but can you, can you recall some of the early mistakes from your youth? Early mistakes is probably uh, taking the so-called easy side like we looked at uh finally finally den regressed the last few days he went uh, i think three and seven on one of the days and because he was just taking the so-called easy side davidson and the dukes and all these teams that should win right they're only laying three or four free money right so just got to look at ones that the if the vegas puts us a line out you and i talked about this the other day we're like those ones that are in those three to seven range where it looks like people just Money line them, right? Vegas people, Vegas makes their money on the teasers and the parlays and all those that you think are free money. Those are the penny slots for them. So just be careful. If it smells, do what we do and take the shit. And sometimes you'll step in it, but sometimes, like Dave says, God bless them, consigliere, sometimes you're going to smell like Victoria's Secret. Or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, like Giselle, but I guess Tom doesn't even like Giselle anymore. So, so is it, is it safe to say if it smells like, so you and Joe and Jared, shout out Joe and Jared, not here tonight. You're all going to share a room. If it smells like your room, take it. (laughs) Yeah. All of us, one smaller dude, one big bald dude and one hairy French dude. Yes. Take it. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, We had more stuff we wanted to get into. Um, Kyle, you're kind of my guy on mid-majors. You pay more attention to some of these small schools. Now, it's impossible to pay attention to all of them, but you just, you know more about some of these schools, coaches, styles of play than most people I know. When you get into the tournament, and obviously a lot of teams seated 12 through 16 are going to be from real small schools who nobody's ever heard of because they haven't been in the tournament for 11 years what can people do to kind of do their homework and figure out who some of these schools are and which ones might be worth a wager? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it's, it's always been fun with the mid majors, but um, you know, Neil and I have been going to Vegas for 10 years and I don't really know when it started, but you know, probably even five years ago, just, I don't know. It just seemed 
a little easier to bet because they weren't talked about. So I think to your point, you know, you don't, you don't listen to all this BS everywhere else, you know, all these other opinions that have probably some monetary value to it. So you're really able to just watch it. And that's kind of the point to this 20 minute speech here is, you know, if you didn't put in the time, you know, at least during the conference tournaments, it's going to be tough for you. Um, you know, because you definitely, if you didn't play basketball, you know, you're probably going to be at a disadvantage just to kind of know different schemes and how they match up. Uh, so that's something I, you know, love to watch is just mainly offensively because they're college kids defensively, unless they're top 20, you know, in the country, it's kind of, it's kind of whatever, you know, on a game to game basis. So it's really just how they move the ball, how they play as a team, you know, someone who might've struggled in November and December, but now they're coming on. I mean, look at some of these teams that didn't even make the tournament. You're kind of like, man, that could have made some noise and we see it every year, but I don't know, like, like Longwood, for instance, against Tennessee catching, 17 you know a lot of people you know seeing Tennessee you know beat Kentucky probably just going to blindly you know just just lay the number um if they're betting I mean I can definitely see you know Longwood keeping it close uh you know just with the way they play they can shoot you know St. Peter's too you know a lot of these a lot of these teams you know they there's a lot more talent in these leagues than people you know realize um, South Dakota state offensively can play with almost anybody in the country. It's just defensively, they're very bad. Um, so, you know, there's just different ways, but for me, it's always just been watching it. Um, just knowing what I, and I don't compare the, you know, a professional athlete, you know, I, I know nothing about, you know, basketball, but just from what I know, uh, you know, just trying to pick up different techniques and how I feel, other teams are going to try to, you know, take advantage, um, you know, whether it's size, interior, uh, playing the zone, shooting over the top. You know, I try to find some angle where I feel I can be a little more profitable in the long run. So, Neil, tell me why, why to Kyle's point, why can smaller schools like Longwood in basketball hang with big boys? in college hoops. Why, why is this unique to college basketball where if you're watching college football, um, SEC teams don't lose or don't play close games against the cupcakes? Why is this unique to college basketball? One of the things that Kyle and I always looked at on years past, and unfortunately with, with the COVID years and these years of eligibility have sort of thrown a wrench in that. But, you know, we used to go back and you'd always have sort of, you know, a a small mid-major and you were talking about, you know, I, I want to take like Nevada, um, an Eric Musselman team from, I think like 2019 that I think got to the elite eight. And you were talking about, you know, 22, 23 year old kids that have been playing together for four or five years, right? You're, you know, you're a smaller program, so you can get, you know, kids to come in as freshmen and they, they stick around, right? So you have a, a cohesive unit of 22 year olds who have been playing together who go and they play, you know, a, I'll just, you know, just a historically, you know, young school like a Kentucky, um, not this year, but a historically, you know, and you're talking about kids that, maybe just turned 18 years old, right? Your, your body still has just that physicality, the physical difference from 18 to 22. 
right? And so, you know, I think we lose a little bit of that, you know, that so many more people had, you know, an extra year of eligibility. Um, but, you know, you ask how, and that's how you just have a cohesive unit. You know, it's, it's like same, go to, you know, your local YMCA and you probably got a group of 45 year old dads who can smoke a bunch of 26 year olds, you know, out there playing. And why? Because they all know they've been doing this for 20 years and they've got all these tricks up their sleeves and they know exactly where, you know, other people, you know, their other teammates are going to be. And that's just how it happens. So, you know, there used to be that, that ability to sort of find a group of seniors who have all been playing together for a really long time. Uh, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's the transfer portal, that sort of hurts, you know, that ability to have long tenure teams. We, I don't think we're seeing quite as much of it. Um, but ultimately, I think that's, you know, that's what it is. And then it also, you know, I think the addition, the additive of the three ball, you know, you can have smaller guys who are, you know, the Steph Curry, right? Shouldn't he have gone to Duke? Shouldn't he have gone to, you know, to Kentucky? It's like, no, right? Because he's little and tiny and fragile, but, you know, you can shoot the three. So I think basketball just sort of changing its, you know, the way it's played in the three ball, you can have a team like the Jackrabbits. And, you know, I sort of hate to say like, you know, we're piling on the Jackrabbits when I think we are all sort of on the other side and, you know, like Providence, but at the end of the day, like the Jackrabbits do lead the country in three point field goal percentage and they're shooting like 44%. It's crazy. 45%. I think the second best team was five percentage points below them at like an even 40 ish or something like that. So, you know, how do you do it? Yeah. How do you shoot 44% from behind or 45% from behind the line? It's like they, the Jackrabbits can go out and beat anybody if those threes are dropping. I mean, that's just the end. And so, you know, could they get bounced in the first round if those aren't going in? Yep. Could they, you know, make the final four? Yep. You know, that's the beauty of March Madness and some of these teams that you've never heard of. Well, it makes these games kind of high variance outcomes, right? Like for teams that shoot a lot of threes, like if they don't go in and they're going to shoot 21% from three, like might not be so good, but if you have a, one of your better shooting performances of the season, and you're going to make almost 50% of your threes, you could beat somebody as a seven, eight, nine point dog for sure. And Neil, one other thing you touched on is experience. And this is something that people can look at can find like Kyle, you talk a lot about Ken Palm. You can, Get a little, what is Ken Pop, 20 bucks for a year? Yeah, 20 bucks yeah. for a year. And so you, they have an experience tab where you can look at continuity and you look towards the bottom of that. And it's it's no secret that Neil mentioned the transfer portal. Talk about one and dones, like a team like Duke is really inexperienced and they're a really top rated team. But like when these guys, like they haven't played through a tournament together before, and these kinds of games. So they can be a little vulnerable if you're playing a team that does have like a team like Vermont. Does, am I seeing this right? The Vermont starts like four or five seniors. Yeah. And they, and these, they've been playing together forever and they just ran through their conference tournament and beat the shit out of every team they played by over 30 points. Like there is something to that when you have just played more games with the same dudes over multiple seasons. So these are things that are tools that they are available out there. People can find them. Um, I want to just cut to a quick break really quick. And then we have some more stuff on the other side. Neil's going to talk about totals. Uh, Chris is going to talk about line reading. So let's come back with that. 
Okay, we'll give a quick Battle of the Dads recap for people who don't know what Battle of the Dads is. Our uh, our Fade You contributors here are having a handicapping competition amongst ourselves throughout the month of March. Uh, if you're interested in how that's going, wait till the end. But one thing that uh, Neil's currently in first place, shout out Bucket Boy. And part of the reason is that he is just dialed in these uh, these first half totals. He plays first half overs. And uh, he's really fucking good at it. So, Neil, you want to talk about your process a little bit? You don't have to give out anything that you've taken a look at so far, but but why is this a good bet? So I'm I'm hesitant to straight out call the sports books lazy because um, I don't. It's not laziness. It's just simply a matter of there's so many games to go through. So, but one of the things you'll look at is you know I think. Vegas is very good. They are very good at setting the game lines and the game sides. And then from there, the first half lines are just a basically cut and paste of a certain percentage. Meaning if you've got a game that's totaled at 132, the first half is going to be 64. And then the second half is just going to be eight points above that. And okay. If a team is supposed to score 70, you know, or have a line of 70 in the first half, then it might be, you know, 79 in the second half, because the thought is that, you know, higher scoring teams are going to be just better over the second half. So it's really just a cut and paste of a percentage. Whereas, you know, the NBA, like you'll have lines where, you know, they could have dramatic swings. You could have a 230 total game line. And in one game, the first half total is 119 and a half which would mean your second half is going to be like 110. Or you could have a first half on the same 230, which is, you know, at 112 with the expectation that, you know, the second half is going to be 118. So I think they do a better job of it in the NBA based off of, you know, metrics of how teams score, you know, where do their points come from? It just doesn't seem that it happens in college basketball. And if you go through numbers, you can see teams and find teams that score a certain percentage of their points, you know, if it's on the high end, you know, in the first half and their low end in the second. So just like one quick example, and I'm really pissed with the draw that this team had because two of my wins were on my, two of my first half totals um, this last weekend were on I, taking this team for this exact reason, which was Virginia tech first half overs. Why? Because Virginia Tech is 66th in the nation in first half scoring. For full game scoring, they are 158th. So they drop down almost 100 slots from their first half scoring to their full game. Virginia Tech scores more points in the first half than they do in the second half. But their totals don't have that reflected for the first half. The game total is set what it is, and then the first half total is just set based off of the game total, right? So I loved Virginia Tech taking them first half, and sure enough, I think there was one game where the first half total flew over, the full game under hit as well, right? So you're able to find sort of some discrepancies. Now I say I hate it. Virginia Tech is playing Texas in the first round. Texas is just a defensive muck it up. I don't know what we're going to get. I So I, it's a really – 
tough matchup. It's a, such a low total because I think the game line's only like 123. So it's going to be like a 59 point first half, which, you know, part of me would love to take it. But I don't know. Texas worries me a little bit. But I think there's if you go through and you just look at where teams score their points, you're just going to find some teams that score more in the first half, you know, on an aggregate basis than they do in the game. Be a little cautious because you can have some teams like, you know, like a Houston, um, you know, Houston is just one of those teams that they just tend to run everybody. You know, they ran everybody out the door and like a Murray state sort of falls into this category where because they're generally up so much at the first half, they sort of take their foot off the gas um, a little bit. So be a little cautious when you're looking at that. But otherwise, I think that there are some there's some ways that you can look at some totals as far as just when teams score their points. You know, you'll have coaches that just take the air out of the ball right in the second half, whether they're up, whether they're it's close, like they want to run shot clock. They want to limit the number of possessions in the second half, whereas the first half is a little more, you know, they're fine just having it be a little more free flowing. Um, so that's really sort of where the first half totals you know, and trying to find, you know, a little bit of an edge, you know, from the books makers lines. Well, and just conversely, you know, when you're talking about full game totals, if, if you're like me and you, and you like full game totals, then you are signing up to be at the mercy of any number of late game situations, including free throw shooting contests, which can go either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, including, you know, being up by eight to 10 and the other team fouling, and f- especially when, if this is like a win or a go home situation, which teams, the tournament is right. Right. Man, like which the, we're getting into. So it's kind of even tougher. Yeah. To so follow. like in a regular season game, if, if you're up 11, you're probably not expecting the losing team to foul with under a minute left under 40 seconds left, but these guys might because of the emotion and their kids and they don't really haven't prepared or been in that kind of situation. So yeah, uh, full game totals. You're at the mercy of some of that really silly end of game stuff that can happen in college where it goes I mean, three, three. And then it's like, Holy fuck, the total just, uh, it, it, it completely flipped where in the first half, it's a little more, it's there's less variance. Half. There's less variance. So those end yeah. of game situations don't happen. So, right. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I hate, if I'm repeating what we talked about in the last pod, I know I talked about it with somebody, but you know, you're really at the mercy. There can be a dramatic swing in the last minute. If a team is up by one point versus if a team gets up by four points, right? Like if a team's up one point, there's no fouling. You can go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you could literally end at with a minute left. You could end with no more points being scored in the game because it's less than a possession. You get just, you know, one random three goes in and that one goes to four and you could get 12 points in a minute. And now all bets are off. Now all bets are off. Right. So you're, you're even live, you know, even live betting sometimes it's so hard because it's going to, the total is just going to be so far out there. And it can get there, right? If that if it stays within five, six points, and that's that spread, because you like Matt said, you'll get a foul fest. But if it gets cut down, you know, till under a possession, you could not get anywhere close to that total. And you're, you know, if you bet the over, you're praying for overtime. Yep. And just to give a word to the full game unders for a second, and and this is probably why you like the first half over rather than the full game over. 
these kind of win and win or go home. These are high leverage, high intensity, high pressure situations for 19, 20 year old kids. You look at championship Sunday yesterday before the bracket came out, every game goes under all five, all championship Mm -hmm. games, all high pressure. So, and that's with the books adjusting for that scenario and they still all went under. So uh, there's some to be said for the end of games. We talked about some of the silliness that happens. Sometimes you get to get really tight and kids tighten up. Um, and uh, I mean, this is what we, we love this shit. So good stuff. All right, let's get out of here with Chris Duke. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about what you look at. You're more of a line reader than I think most of us. You're looking at obviously, you know, fading the public can be a good strategy in these highly bet events like March Madness, like the the Super Bowl. Um, talk about how you look at lines, the way you look at lines that freeze despite lopsided action. What's what's something that more of an inexperienced better can? How can we help them out? Yeah, just like we were talking about earlier, lines that just don't make sense. You look at a line. Um, one of the ones that was, was good the other day when North Carolina, right. Really, really solid team. They had already beaten Virginia tech by six and I think 10 or eight and 10, the two prior meetings in the year, but yet the line was like two and, uh, and I'm sure everyone, uh, just thought, you know, well, UNC is going to do it again, right. Free money. And they Virginia tech ran them out. And so lines like that, where they just don't make sense. And, like you said, all the action was on North Carolina, but yet the line doesn't move. It stays at two, two and a half. So if you see a line go up to four, then you're thinking, okay, well, they're, they're moving it for a reason. That's a little bit scarier going, okay, there's a reason there must be heavy money on that side. But if you've got a line where all the tickets and, and Joe talks about this with differentials and stuff. Um, but same thing, if you've got all the tickets on one side, yet that line goes from, I even love to see it tick down a bit. I don't get afraid of like, when we talk about neither does Dave, right? Consig and buckets and Kmart. I don't care if I see a, a four and a half go down to four. Oh, wow. Wow. I don't get the four and a half. I don't give a fuck. That makes me excited. That means everybody's on the, the team laying the four, but my team just went down. That's great. That means, you know, a little bit of, uh, we don't like to overuse the RLM, but that's what reverse line movement is. It means everyone's on one side, yet the line is coming back down to the smell, and it goes closer to poo, and then the hornier I get with the poop. So I love it. The other thing you could touch on, Chris, is that these are days uh, in the tournament, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you know the, the public loves to come out and bet. And it's no secret that, you know, you just walk through a casino, you see a lot of bright, shiny lights, and we know they make money, and they make their money because of the way the public bets. Public will bet a lot of parlays, lay the points with a lot of faves. And one thing that happens is uh, the later games in the day, after a very long day of betting and a long day of losing for a lot of people, get a ton <laughs> of action. So you want to really be wary of these late tip-off games. I'm looking at Thursday. The last two games at tip-off are going to be – actually, the last one is Kansas versus whatever scrub that they get to beat up on. Um, UCLA-Akron is, is a late game on Thursday. Uh, this Murray State-San Francisco is a late tip-off on Thursday. And then, and then one that I think is going to be interesting is on Friday – 
uh, Wisconsin and Colgate. And earlier we talked about mid-majors, teams that people may not be familiar with. You got Whiskey, who's going to be a, a, a name-recognizable school, laying seven against a team called Colgate that for most people is just a brand of toothpaste. <laughs> is that is that a good example of one where people should be a little careful that that might be like okay the public some guy some guy that just lost his ass is going to just get it all back on the on the school he knows and is familiar with yeah probably pick what a couple 7 p.m start games money line them lay the points do whatever yeah they don't know what about colgate they look at a three seed uh in whiskey even though they know the sharps like a lot of sharps do not rank whiskey high. I don't know how they were the highest three seed or whatever, but you've got to look at stuff like that. And they're going to lay, I mean, like look at it in the tourney, right. In the ACC, everyone's, Oh, I'll just take Duke money line against Virginia tech. I don't, I don't need them to win by five or six. Just I'll take a money line. Yeah. Well, guess what? You just lost. So, and same thing. And I'm sure uh, John Murray and everybody all over, is happy with the spiders. They were plus about two or three. It was smell. I took them all three times. They covered and one outright too. Everyone probably just said, look, I'm not going to lay the three or four against Richmond. I'll just take Davidson. I'll just take Dayton. They get, all they got to do is win. Well, guess what? Spider Cox won outright every time. So just be careful with money. The small money lines that you see that are free money, um, that they're that small for a reason. Um, we know like uh, Neil's right. There are times in that first half, they're off a little bit even those kind of smell dennis was on the over the other day it seemed really low i was like fuck he's on this tennessee mississippi state but it only went to 49 first half went way under so just always look at the line and see um if they're daring you to take it and uh just just double get just just question yourself people are always too quick like to go ahead and just place the bet just just double talk with your friends you know, and ask them what they think and get, get some feedback from people. Don't always just think that your, uh, your lean is always correct. Go ahead. And, uh, we always talk about this. Don't be afraid to fade yourself. <laughs> That's, that is true. Um, and take it easy on the parlays. That, that would be advice for people. Uh, the books can't wait for you to go and, and put together a five teamer. Uh, they will, they will take your money and smile and say, thank you very much. Just so chill the fuck out on the five, six, seven, 18 parlays. Sure. They're fun, but you're, you're not going to win uh, parlaying these games. These finishes are too crazy. And uh, this tournament is too damn unpredictable. So uh, don't do that. Let's see. Uh, what else? What are you guys looking forward to the most on the trip? Kyle, you start. Uh, having Neil drive me out while I get wasted in the passenger seat. <laughs> and I was going to say, Kyle has already offered me some fellatio on the, on the drive. So <laughs> that's, that's by far, you know, top of the list. Will I'm you bring me Kyle some, will you bring me some alien jerky? If Neil will stop, I absolutely will. <laughs> we're not, we're not stopping that. No, we're all, I'm we're missing hat. We're missing what 80% of the games already as it is. We're not stopping. I was going to say in and out burger as wake up earlier, baby. Wake up. I got, I got Kyle and I both have dad shit. We got to take that's care true, of a little that's true. bit. That's the, that's the only reason. It's your dad shit down Wednesday. God damn it. <laughs> I was going to say the only thing that might prevent Kyle from actually getting alien jerky is actually being abducted by aliens, which would yeah. be an even better outcome for him. 
if yeah. you know Kyle, you know that he would want nothing more in the world. Oh, yeah. Like, go oh, hang I'm out just... with the ETs. Invite <laughs> 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 him on the pod. <laughs> oh, God. What about you, Neil? What are you looking forward to the most? Man, I think just like a, a completely normal March Madness. Like, even though last year we had it, it was, you know, mask up and there would there were just all these caveats and I'm just looking forward to a, a hopefully a normal tournament. I mean, remember we had a game canceled last year because of COVID, oh, right? Like fuck. That's right. I think it was that V was it VCU Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. I, think wow, I VCU, forgot about that. Right. VCU it. came down, came yeah. down with COVID and we lost the night game one of the nights. So, um, you know, just looking forward to a, a, a normal, awesome March madness with the dads. Yeah. Too. Not having to wear masks. Like no, I don't know where I'm at today. Like I'm that. That's probably the main reason why I am actually coming. Is I that was miserable last year. Getting yelled at. Put your mask on. Yeah. yeah. We have a drink, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was that was a little. That was a little. Um, and it's always fun, Matt, to find, you know, the group of guys who are coming, who are all have, you know, who all have. What was it? Who was the guys last year? Was it Virginia? The, the Virginia crowd that was the loudest in the book at Bally's. And then they lost their opening. They lost their opener. Yeah. That's always fantastic. I don't, I don't know. It, maybe it's the right group of like really annoying guys who come out for their team and are so positive. Was it, was it the Virginia dudes? Or who that was sounds it? right. But they were annoying as hell. And then they lost their first game. They lost their first game. And that was fantastic. That I'm going to follow up with that with something else here in a minute. Kyle, we got to maybe we'll find a guy who's just the most miserable piece of shit. Like that. Sitting in the food court, just probably lost like $5,000. Yeah. God, I thought that guy, like, if he's still alive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the characters you find, like the Notre Dame tattoo guy. Maybe yeah. he'll be back. Notre Dame's in the field. Yeah, maybe. Man, maybe. I, I was actually hoping us see and Notre Dame were going to clash up. Oh, so, my God. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are you looking forward to the most? Just looking forward to the, the, the doggies that'll, that'll bark. It's always fun to see, like, one of the teams, whether it's a New Mexico State or a Colgate or one of those 13, 14, 15, 12s, just, you know, and, and everyone's just like, how? How does this happen? It's just always fun to see that a small school gets stoked. You know, I used to play basketball. And it's just so fun when you get a big win that you weren't supposed to get. It's just a great feeling just to play your heart out. And it's, it's so fun to see, you know, the bracket busters and the, the parlay busters just uh, be stoked. And, uh, you know, the George Masons and the, the butlers back in the day, all those teams. So fun. Well, shit. Even last year. I mean, there were North Texas, Oral Roberts, um, yeah. Who else did it last year? There were a couple. There were a few guys. Multiple times. Who was it? Well, Matt, I mean, Oregon State. Right? Oregon State. Yeah. Oregon yeah. State. I mean, more surprised everybody. It's one of the best parts of the tournament is the Cinderella's that come out. I mean, God, God willing, a, a UMBC. We were not there that year, but that would have been electric. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so, Neil, something you said made me think of this. What Follow up to what Neil said. Teams, fans who you would most take pleasure in seeing lose this weekend. 
for me, it has saw, to be. Yeah, go, go, go ahead, ahead, Matt. You start. Oh, uh, Duke. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Nothing would be more amazing than watching Duke get bounced. I mean, in Coach K's final tournament, if they were to somehow lose this first weekend and not make the Sweet 16, yep. that would be incredible. That would be fantastic because you know the Duke jerseys are going to be flowing through Vegas. Yeah. Like, they are, they are everywhere. Yeah, I feel like them in Wisconsin, I don't know how there are so many people from, you know, yeah. fans of those schools, but those are the two schools that seem to be always most represented. And I, Wisconsin would, would be my number two. Um, but, yeah, Duke's one and Wisconsin two to get upset first round. That'd be fantastic. Oh, I think I know Kyle's answer. Yeah, yeah probably. I mean, it, it would make me smile. But, I mean, it, there's always, you know, that little bit of that UNC. But, I mean, if UCLA loses to Akron on Thursday night, like – I would giggle for sure. <laughs> like you, pr- you would probably, you'd probably run. Yeah, you'd probably run screaming for a little bit. Maybe yeah. a maybe a quick lap, just yeah. giggling and laughing and cackling. You, and you know me, like I might be in my thirties now, but when I get excited, I take off running. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, if Joe was here, he would say SC for sure. Oh, yeah. easily. Uh huh. Chris, what about you? Any 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 fucks you want to see go down this week? God willing. God willing, well, the best would be if Yale could pull their cocks out against Purdue, but uh, oh. that's a long shot. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Chattanooga against Illinois, that'd be fun. Get those, those the big schools out of there. Or, you know what? I know they fucked us this week, but I'd love to see UAB, you know, another conference USA, you know, send Houston home. So we'll see. All right, guys, good shit. Uh, quick Battle of the Dabs update. Just follow everybody on Twitter. We're, we're trying to get the plays out. And, um, I mean, doing all right. I mean, Neil's been doing well. I know Kyle and I are kind of right around even. Um, if the Jazz can pull this out, Kyle have a, nupple, a couple of nice plus money winners today in NBA. Uh, Chris, I, I don't know why you bet the Kings, but you did. And now you have to sweat it out. And you deserve this uh, for betting. The most embarrassing franchise in sports, I will say it. I I don't think anything is worse uh, than the Sacramento Kings. And if Fink and Kyle are if Fink and Kyle are listening to this, then they will agree they are the most embarrassing franchise in any of the four sports, uh, hands down, no question. And you bet them because you love smell, you love smelly things. This. We literally talked about just bet them first half; they blow it. They were up 20. It's they're up one now. They just they're they've scored two points in the last fucking five minutes. That's that's what they will think. And Kyle will say Kings do Kings things. And and blowing a 20 point lead at halftime is a very Sacramento Kings thing to do. So, Chris, good luck the rest of the way with that. I'm sure that will be an L. And Kyle and Neil, uh, good shit, you guys. Um, hopefully people can take some info from our little pod here and win some money this week. And Chris, just remind everybody what happens when you bet on poop. Like the Kings, you need to walk back in the bar and order a shot and take it down and forget about it. There we go. See everybody in Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.